Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi barakatuh. This is Hamza Foy with the Hia 502 podcast. Before the segment begins, I'm going to go through a couple of announcements for our community members. Inshallah, any questions or further details that you need, please reach out to me. JCTC has a jumpstart program. This is a program for those looking to finish their degree or get started with their college education. You must be 25 years or older, and this program will cover tuition for fall 2021 or spring 2022 school year. Louisville Free Public Libraries will no longer charge overdue fees for rented books or other media starting in July. Please note that you will still be fined for lost or damaged rentals, and this applies for any rentals made within Jefferson County. Louisville has always had a illustrious cultural past program, and this one is no different for 2021. Children from ages zero to age 21 can participate in the cultural past program this summer and gain free entry or access to over 50 different museums and venues. This includes the Muhammad Ali Center, Kentucky Science Center, and others. Please know that this program ends August 8th, 2021. Mayor Fisher has his approved budget, and it includes $3 million for down payment assistance program. This helps individuals achieve home ownership. There's also $7.7 million for the city's home repair programs. Now, to be eligible, households must be at or below 80% median income to be eligible. You can get paper applications from the Metro Development Center at 444 South 5th Street, or you can call 502-574-5850. Catholic Charities has low-cost legal assistance and counseling for immigrants. This will only be for those who are low to moderate income. Um, Feel free to reach out to me for details on this. I know we don't have uh, much to go by. There is also a virtual expungement clinic. This is through Goodwill Industries of Kentucky. These services include processing of Kentucky State Police reports, extensive client follow-up, and direct handling of court cases. You can sign up by emailing virtual expungement at goodwillky.org. This one's uh, pretty close to me. There's a great institution here in Louisville called the Center for Neighborhoods, and they have a leadership program that runs in the fall and in the spring. They do have fall applications currently open for enrollment, Uh, You can look up Center for Neighborhoods Institute online to find out more details. Another program that is going on that we're actually planning is 
related to World Fest. Namely, there's an inshallah, there is a program that we're hoping to put on as part of World Fest. Um, tentatively named the Bazaar of Muslim Cultures. Um, obviously, the name subject to change. The idea is that you know, for those who have been to World Fest, you know, there's many walkways that people can peruse. They can visit different vendors. The plan is to have one of those pathways dedicated to an assortment of bazaars showcasing the many cultures of the Muslim world as well as representing our faith. Inshallah, the intention is to have a number of booths that are going to be split between food vendors, merchandise vendors, and informational booths. Once again, these booths could um, have content discussing our Islamic faith or discussing one of the many cultures in the Muslim world. If you are interested in participating in this bazaar for World Fest, please feel free to reach out. Um, for those who do not know, World Fest runs from, from Friday, September 3rd, to Monday, September 6th. Now, right now, if you are a food or merchandise vendor, when you pay the fee, you'll be able to participate in all four days of World Fest. Um, depending on the level of interest, we may only have the actual bazaar pathway for two of the four days. But once again, if, if you're a food or a merchandise vendor, you'll be able to stay all four days, um, rest assured. Um, if you are interested, if you are a business owner, if you own a restaurant, or if you have incredible artifacts representing your faith, country, or culture, you want to participate, please reach out to me, uh, 502 930-8391. I do prefer um, WhatsApp. It just kind of helps me keep um, all of the incoming messages organized. And we will, inshallah, um, get you included. If you're a restaurant owner or you sell any form of merchandise, there will be a fee. Um, when you reach out, I will explain um, how that fee works. Once again, when you pay that fee, that's for all four days. Regardless of how many days we actually do that Muslim Bazaar at World Fest, you'll be able to participate all four days. Anybody who's interested in helping me plan, helping me decorate, I, I, I love the energy that these kind of events have. I love the, the collaboration that's possible in any of these events. Um, I know... Maybe a, a number of my listeners may have remembered uh, when we had the America to Zanzibar Muslim Cultures Near and Far exhibit at the Ali Center. You know, we had a uh, Muslim fashion show, um, which was inspired by you know the African American Muslims part of the Warth Dean uh, Muhammad the Sunni community. 
that I was part of planning that um, fashion show. I think, you know, all of the people that participated had a wonderful time. So inshallah, we'll have that, that same, you know, energy, that same, you know, encouragement to participate. Please feel free to reach out to me. That is going to end our announcements uh, for this episode of Area 502. And without further ado, here's your segment of Ihya 502. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi barakatuh. I know it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been on this mic. Alhamdulillah, you know, among a number of things, I've had, you know, a vacation and, you know, wanted to really pause and kind of reflect on um, the progress of this podcast. And alhamdulillah, you know, I'm ready to, you know, get in the saddle again, so to speak, and continue with the episodes. There's going to be a number of changes for the Ihya 502 podcast. Um, First of all, I believe that when I started out, I tried to be too regimented um, with the episodes, right? We... We had a number of different segments and, you know, after a couple of months, you know, kind of sitting down, looking at the analytics, looking at the feedback, both online and the feedback that I would get, you know, just visiting the masjid, you know, really helped to um, kind of clarify, you know, what I should keep talking about and, you know, some of the ideas that didn't really pan out. Alhamdulillah, um, the, the episode that I know, you know, my wife and I, we, we were a little worried about in terms of reception were the episodes where we reviewed, um, books or other media and come to find out, mashallah, that actually turns out to be one of the the most popular formats. So we're, we're definitely keeping that one. Um, I'm going to try to do more interviews and I'm going to try to get a more diverse cast or guest list, if you will. Um, I think f- for a number of us, you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, COVID restrictions have been winding down and you know more and more of us are coming back to the uh, massaged and I I definitely want to reiterate you know coming back to the masjid obviously come to the masjid fulfill you know your fardain you know pray your prayers but also try to try to reach out try to meet new people even even if it's casual conversation, just try to meet new people. Alhamdulillah, you know, I've been to a couple of uh, you know a couple of other cities across the United States, and you know I'm not gonna lie, here in Louisville, we we've got it made in terms of just the the diversity. Um, whether you're focused on the cultural diversity, the linguistic diversity, 
the diversity of opinions, the diversity of trades and professions. I mean, Louisville, I mean, if you look in the right places, we got it all. And with these podcast episodes that I'm going to be releasing, I'm going to really try to try to, you know, bring that out for people to see, for people to to realize that man, there's a number of brothers, a number of sisters that I should meet and greet, get to know, and inshallah, you know, the podcasts in the future will be an encouragement to do that. There's also the fact that at the end of the day, AF 502 is a podcast produced by a Muslim for the Muslim community. And so I'm going to do my best to touch on topics related to our deen, related to our faith, that we can either use a reminder of or we can learn more about. So I'm going to really push with those kind of three, those three categories um, from now on. I'm not going to be so hard on myself in terms of like, you know, got to release on Friday at this time. Um, expect episodes to release at least three weeks out of a month. And it will be between Monday through Friday. Um, another thing is, is, you know, w- with podcasting, you know, there's a lot of technical know-how. There's a lot of things that I learn about YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, um, podcast hosting. And so just kind of, you know, it's, it's been a learning process for me. So um, thank you to those who have been tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I encourage you once again, encourage your friends or family to tune in. Um, there's a lot to learn. Um, a lot of good, inshallah, that can come out of this podcast. So I'm going to keep the topic brief um, for this one, since this is kind of my comeback episode. Um, today, uh, I actually, uh, not too long ago, just f- finished my class for uh, new Muslims. And subhanAllah, you know, you gain a lot of insight And these insights are going to affect you in a number of ways. So, number one, I mean, the thing that I that I tell a lot of people is that when you when you sit down and actually have like honest conversations, I I don't mean talk down to them or like oh I'm going to teach you everything you should know, but just having honest conversations, you you start to realize. Or you begin to learn what what are the practical concerns of just your everyday person. You know, in English we like to say, you know, your average Joe, right? You know, sometimes we, we get lost. Um, I feel like this is the same for both the, the young and the old. You get lost in polemics, you know, just sheer argumentation. Or you get lost in like really nuanced topics that, to be fair, I mean, like how much does this apply 
to your average person, you know. When sitting with new Muslims, though, they really ground you in, okay, the practical I need to know. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> so, you know, we, we had uh, one person return. You know, he, had, he hadn't been in the class for a few weeks when we had started our discussion on Al-Qaeda. So I kind of, you know, went back. And, you know, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, as, as somebody, you know, when you first take your, you know, Shahada, you know, we're always told that everything in our past prior to the Shahada is completely forgiven. And let's not lie, I've been in a number of Shahadas. I hear it like that. What people don't realize, everything is forgiven except for one thing, which is debt. D-E-B-T. If you owe a debt, you're still beholden to pay back that debt, even if you take Shahada. So, you know, one of the brothers, they were like, okay, um, like, does that mean, like, debt between a person and a person? Like, you know, Larry borrowed 200 from Gary, and Larry takes Shahada. Does, you know, does it just mean that debt, like, Larry still owes 200 to Gary? Does that mean, you know, debts that are owed to banks or institutions? You know, th these are the practical questions that come up. These are, they don't care, you know, I need, they, they don't care about, oh, what school of thought or what do you think about this scholar from the 1900? New Muslims don't care about that. <laughs> they have very practical questions. I'll give you another example. So we, we got into the, the dichotomy um, where deeds are broken down and, you know, some deeds are wajib, obligatory, or um, recommended, or makruh, offensive or disliked, or, you know, haram, unlawful. And then a lot, you know, the majority of just possible deeds that you can, you can perform as a human being fall under mandub. Like, it's okay. Like, you do it, no good deed, but no sin, right? And we also talked about, you know, fard al-ayn, fard al-ayn, and fard kafaya. And so, you know, fard al-ayn, that's like an individual obligation. So you performing your five prayers, that's an individual obligation upon you. So person A, there's person A, person B, person C, right? Now they're all they're each individually obligated to perform their five prayers. Person A omits, you know, does not pray the Aisha prayer. He's the only one held responsible. Whereas with Fard Kafaya, these are communal obligations. So let's say you have, you know, twenty, you know, twenty people. One dies. The Fard Kafaya is that so long as a number of those people actually attend, you know, perform, attend the, the Janazah prayer, then that obligation is, you know, it's, it, that obligation has been met. Whereas if none of them pray, perform, or attend the Janazahs, then it's going to be held against all of them as a, as, as a, a community. 
So once again, one of the, you know, one of the brothers, he's like, okay, all right, I got you on Fard the Kafaya. Okay, Janazas are Fard the Kafaya. He's like, what are some other Fard the Kafayas? Like the, these, these are the things that new Muslims are interested in, not because, oh, they're new Muslims, but because we think practically. We're human beings. You know, we eat, we sleep, we marry. We work jobs. We got all this going on. So for the common, you know, the the, the average Joe, they're thinking practical. Uh, you know, I think a lot of, a number of people get caught up in the theoretical or the really nuanced where it's like, that's a situation I would never run into in a million years. You know, they get caught up in that. Whereas in reality, we need to understand our Dean at a practical level first. No, no, no gallivanting for the stars on some nuanced or abstract thing when you don't have that solid practical base set. Another thing that, you know, I, I find interesting, and, you know, subhanAllah, for me, this has never been a problem, but one one of the things that the Aqidah, knowing our Aqidah, accomplishes is it gives a it gives us a certain categorical definition on what it means to be Muslim. What do I mean by that? Our Aqidah, Aqidah roughly translates to creed. Oftentimes they translate it as creed. It's it's the tenets of faith that we are supposed to, we have certainty in. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one, is indivisible, has no beginning, has no end. Allah has no partners. No one shares in Allah's attributes or in Allah's divinity. Now, let's pause. Right then and there, you have a... Our Aqidah has already been categorically defined as different from the Nasara, from the Christians. Why? That, what I just explained, already puts us separate from the people who believe in the Trinity. That there is three in one. Another example is, in our Aqidah, we understand that Allah is not restricted to the time and space that we experience in this world. This separates us from... Those who follow the Old Testament who believe that Jacob or Yaqub wrestled with God in the form of a man and overpowered God. Our Aqidah is clear that A, Allah is not restricted to our time or space, and B, that going back to the co sharer and his attributes. If we understand that Allah is Al-Aziz, Al-Qawi, 
then we understand that he is all-powerful. Thus, he cannot be overpowered by a moral being. So once again, our Aqidah defines us separately from those who follow the Old Testament, which would be the Jews. Part of our Aqidah is the recognition that there are prophets, that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was the last prophet, considered the seal of the prophets, that no prophets come after him. We also have a deep respect for all of the Sahaba, both the female and male companions of the Prophet So once again, this separates us from any creed, any tradition that proposes that there that there's a another prophet after Muhammad, whether that be Brigham Young of the Mormon tradition, Elijah Muhammad of the Nation of Islam, and any of the groups that disparage any of the Sahaba, whether that be Aisha, radiallahu anha, Abu Huraira, or others. In this day and age, um, with kind of the postmodernist influences that are becoming popular, there seems to be this reluctance against defining oneself categorically and based on any sort of authority, which in our case would be the Qur'an, the Sunnah, and then you also have scholarly consensus, ijma, and qiyas, which is often translated to analogy. We have those authorities. We have a clear aqidah, a clear categorical definition in defining ourselves and in making clear that we are not the same as Christians, not the same as Jews, not the same as Hindus, not the same as any animist religions, not the same as Mormons, atheists, the followers of Elijah Muhammad, etc., etc., in recognizing that we are not the same, that we are a different, we have a different definition. And there seems to be this weird idea that in defining yourself as something different, there's some form of violence going on. For me, I, I hate to be honest, I don't see any credibility in that kind of understanding. You know, that I am Muslim and that I am different from, say, my Christian neighbor, that does not mean that we are engaged in violence or, you know, that life is too unbearable. Look, we have our we have our different aqidas. You know, it's basically a rendition of Surat al-Kafirun. You know, you have your way, I have mine. Okay, there we go. I'm still respectful to my neighbor or to any any acquaintance. I'm still decent. I'm still respectful. In fact, the Quran instructs us not to denigrate the god or gods of their aqidas, lest they berate or you know, lest they 
denigrate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have those clear instructions. I think it's important nowadays for Muslims to revisit their aqidah and really understand it thoroughly. Another reason why I encourage, you know, kind of revisiting the aqidah is that, you know, before I came to Islam, alhamdulillah, and, you know, I thank Allah for the hadaya for, for being able to come to Islam, I, I was a Buddhist. And what people don't understand is, is Buddhists, especially like the West Coast Buddhists that you find here in the United States, they are atheists. So they, they, they don't have any concept of God. And so in learning our Aqidah, our Aqidah is very rational. You know, when you're making da'wah, when, when you're talking to those who are Christian or, or Jewish or, or any any religion that necessitates a concept of a divine being, you've already got, you know, you've already got traction because they've already come to that understanding, okay, there is a higher power, there is a God. Whereas when you fully understand our aqidah, as Muslims, you'll be able to have conversations with those who may be agnostic or atheist. You will be able to explain, okay, here, you know, this is the proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. I think that's um, not well understood, and I think that uh, a greater understanding of our aqidah will give you that that certainty in God. Um, the other thing that we discussed, and really, I mean, we, we had a number of, of great conversations based on this. You know, we're also going through another book, um, Purification of the Heart, which discusses spiritual diseases of the heart, how to identify and how to cure them. In this book, uh, we talked about uh, batar, which is, it's roughly translates to wantonness, which I know that word, once again, I know a number of people are like, okay, what's wantonness? It's the pride that you have that helps deceive, like it helps you deceive yourself into believing that um, basically you're, you're already in, in God's good graces already. So why, why put in the effort of either abstaining from something that's prohibited or in doing more good than you're already doing? Um, in the Quran, you know, there, there's a discussion, um, revolving around Bani Israel where, you know, it's clearly stated that you shouldn't believe that you're, you're you're part of the chosen people in the sense that you get free license to either A, abuse people, or B, not do the best job that you can in any regard, whether it's performing good deeds, you know, whether it's, you know, fulfilling obligations, whether to Allah or to others. 
you shouldn't have that pride that, oh, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to attain Jenna already. And I don't have to worry about anything. And we, we really, you know, we, we talked about this in depth because Imam Maulud suggested one of the cures being remembrance of death. Been Muslim, alhamdulillah, um, 28 now. God, it's been probably 14 years. I've been a, a, around an assortment of people, alhamdulillah. Uh, nothing makes me happier than the experiences that Allah has, you know, opportuned to me. I've been around a number of people. When they hear this, this, this whole concept of remembering death, they tend to kind of wrinkle their nose at this and they say, well, you're just being fatalist. You know, you're just saying, you know, oh, well, you know, remember death. Oh, that's, you know, well, that's so dreary. Oh, Hamza, why, why do I have to remember death? Oh, man, that's negative. Or perhaps you're somebody who unfortunately has had, you know, a bad habit that you've been un unable to kick. And so you say, well, Man, if I'm going to die tomorrow, nah, then I, I won't be able to stop whatever bad habit or whatever sin or vice. And I told the I told you know the new Muslims I said the reason or one of the reasons that we're told to remember death is that helps realign your 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 state of mind to being mindful of what you're doing now. I remember growing up, you know, went through the public school system, and I would hear, you know, a number of people, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm going to go to the club, or oh, I'm going to go sleep with, you know, this person. I'll get dressed for, for church on Sunday. I'll get right, right with Jesus. I remember hearing this. The reason we, why we remember death is to snap you out of procrastinating. You know that you need to do something. Do it now. Don't put it off. You know you need to stop doing this. Stop doing it now. Don't put it off. That is what remembering death is for. Yes, we do not know when we're going to die. It is that, 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 that thought that helps realign your, your frame of mind, your state of mind to being present in the moment. So stop doing what you shouldn't be doing. Start doing what you should be doing. Start smiling. Stop being rude. Start praying. Stop engaging in viewing pornography or drinking alcohol, stop going to the club, start inviting people over to your house and share food. That, that's salaka, by the way. Inviting guests, feeding them. Start going to the masjid and stop listening to mindless nonsense. The, the remembrance of death snaps you back to thinking about the present moment and being present in the now. Don't think about the past. Stop worrying about the future. 
Be present in the now. That is what the remembrance of death does, especially with regards to this pride. Because once again, the the the, the butter is is this kind of pride where you're just like, well, I'm already good with God, so either I don't need to try as hard, or okay, even if I'm engaging in this wrongdoing, a I, I'm made, I'm set. It's the, you know that that pride is a spiritual disease of the heart, and. Imam Molud, he he recommended the remembrance of death, and he recommended voluntary hunger. So, like you know, fasting, for example, or at least reducing the amount of food that you take in. We got into this really interesting conversation. One of the brothers, um, he was Christian prior to becoming Muslim, and so I told him, I said, you know, because although I wasn't Christian before I was Muslim, I, Alhamdulillah. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to study different religions, both before I became Muslim and even while I was Muslim. Now, of course, while I was Muslim, obviously, I, I, you know, kept to the Aqidah, but I studied other religions. I wanted to understand, okay, you know, what, what are their thought processes or, you know. So I told him, I said, you know, if you're a Baptist or evangelical, you've probably have heard of the prosperity gospel. And this is the concept that, you know, some Christians will say, well, if you're wealthy, that's a sign that, that, you know, God loves you more than other people. I said, this is just, unfortunately, their, their warped way of making them feel better about, you know, the fact that they were wealthy. I said, in Islam, the fact of the matter is, is yes, wealth is a barakah, it's a blessing. So thank Allah for it, but understand that the the use of that wealth is going to be questioned when you meet your Lord. That is that is our understanding as, as Muslims. We do, we don't have a prosperity gospel, and we don't have because I've even noticed this. We don't have the inverse, which is a poverty gospel. It's the idea that well, if you're poor. Oh, that just means Allah loves you, you're, you're, you're chosen, and oh, you're going to have it easy on, you know, Yom Qayama. Now, the absence of the wealth means you won't be questioned about the usage of that wealth, but you're still going to be questioned about everything else. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself into taking your deen easy. So we talked about the the voluntary fasting, and I told the brothers, I said, Here, here's another thing that you, you don't know, but I want you guys to think about. On Yom Kayama, your body, the parts of your body will bear witness, either against or for you. Your eyes, your ears, your tongue. I said, imagine your stomach bearing witness against you. I said, in Islam, obesity is looked down upon. You should take good character, good care, sorry, good care of your body where you're physically capable. Not that you're chiseled, or, or, but that you're physically capable. Imam Maulud, he recommended voluntary fasting 
to once again return us to being present in the moment. You know, it's common. I mean, I've experienced this myself, whether we linger on something in the past or we feel anxiety for something in the future, and that takes our state of mind out of being present in the moment. Being present in the now, keeping in mind, okay, you know, am I fulfilling my prayers? You know, say you're amongst a group of people, am I being courteous? Am I, you know, staying away from being rude? That is what the voluntary fasting and the remembrance of death does. Is it keep it keeps you tethered to the now, the the present moment. This book is filled with uh, a lot of a lot of gems that I think. Um, a number of our Muslims can benefit from whether learning about it for the first time or just reminders to once again keep us tethered, ensure that we are not subconsciously, you know, possessing one of these spiritual diseases of the heart. I'll go ahead and uh, end this podcast now. Jazakallah khairan. For those who are listening, once again, you know, please give us a, a shout out, whether to your friends or family, uh, on social media, on WhatsApp, and um, feel free to visit the website. It's going to be ihya502.glitch.me. There is going to be a hyphen between ihya, I-H-Y-A, and 502. In that web address, and you will find um, the latest episode uploaded, the current calendar uh, for the month, and then links to the YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify podcasts. Once again, Jazakallah khairan. Salamu alaikum.